Hi there, and welcome to yet another live Q&A session where it's only me today. <laughs> I actually uh, invited first Coach Chris, but he didn't have time uh, this week, but he said uh, in two weeks he's available, so he'll be here for live q in two weeks. And then Coach Michelle, and she also didn't have time today, uh, but she has time next week, so uh, we'll have a live Q&A actually both next week and the following week, um, and look forward to having you there, uh, there then. And uh, as you're joining here today, um, uh, please, you know, as, as, as always, post your questions in the comment section, and I'll be more than happy to answer them. Um, but, you know, in the meantime, until we hopefully get some questions, um, I was going to share a few things. First, just announcement, we are approaching, uh, you know, November 15th, which is the next start date for anyone who's interested in becoming a sleep coach and joining the movement in that capacity. and um, the the I, I pondered this a little bit and like who you know who's a good fit for this program or vice versa oh brandon is here hey brandon nice seeing you back and um i thought there, there's sort of like three you know categories uh, you know for, for people interested and one is if you are uh someone who's had trouble sleeping and uh gone you know learned from our teachings here and you want to paid forward and, 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 and you're entrepreneurial, you want to start your own business that then it's that this could be a really good program for you. Also, uh, you know, we, we recently had somebody graduate who is a psychologist from Denmark and who's, you know, finding what we teach really helpful in her practice. So if you're someone who's, who, um, Shreya says, I, hi, hi, Shreya. So nice. It's nice seeing you again. Um, hope all is well on your end. Um, yeah, anybody who, who's working within maybe a traditional uh, model, uh, psychologist, um, and would like to learn how to approach insomnia the way we see it, that could be a good fit. And, and finally, somebody who's just like uh, curious about like really deepening their understanding. We had one person uh, who I've invited to be, to be a guest here, but she hasn't said, she said she would be at some point, but she hasn't said when. Uh, uh, yet. But anyway, she, she went through the program from the perspective of really kind of curiosity, like, or, or, or just deeper understanding. So again, like if you are, you know, entrepreneurially mind, uh, you have an entrepreneurial mindset and you would like to start your own sleep coaching business, our sleep coaching program could be a good fit. If you're maybe working in the traditional space, psychologist or something like that, and you like to deepen your understanding or just for, you know, personal growth, uh, that could be, uh, those could be, and by the way, if you are interested in becoming a sleep coach, then just head over to our website. And uh, you can find um, a section there that talks about how to apply and how to learn more. Okay, we we already have, uh, where did they go? Uh, some questions, or one question rather from Brandon. Let's jump into that one and, and see what we can learn here. Brandon says, can you help me understand how to let go of forcing sleep when my body and mind so desperately craves it? I genuinely can't convince my brain that it's okay when I continue to get poor sleep. Uh, yeah, definitely, uh, Brandon. And um, I, I, let me open with this, actually. How can we let go of forcing sleep? Something I've been thinking a lot about lately is the language we use in, in the sleep coach school and other similarly-minded, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, the word spaces come to mind, but other teachers like Drew Lins, a lot of the Anxious Truth or uh, Michelle Cavanaugh of, of Dare, etc. The tricky thing is what is actually an invitation to non-doing can come across 
as an invitation to action. Imagine this. Imagine that you're a parent, you have some, you know, two kids that are maybe like, I don't know, six and seven, and they start fighting, you know, they start arguing with each other and you tell them, stop that. I want you to stop fighting now. When you say stop fighting, it can sound like you're telling them to, to do something. But in reality, what's happened is that they started something and you just want them not to do that anymore. So what you're just, you, it's just, and you're not telling them to do something, you're really telling them to not do what they're doing right now. You know, and it can be tricky because the same thing happens so much in our world. When we say, for example, like, um, you know, befriend wakefulness, for example, they can say like, okay, this is something I need to do. But in reality, what has happened is that we had inadvertently developed a habit of like, you know, trying to force uh, wakefulness and, and that keeps us awake then. So when we say befriend wakefulness, it's not actually doing something. It's an invitation to non-doing. It's an invitation to go back to a place where we weren't trying to force it. So with that, you know, with that in our minds, we'll go back and look at what Ren said. Can you help me understand how to let go of forcing sleep? When it's, it, so the point here is that when we say let go of trying to force sleep, it can sound like, okay, I have to do something, but it's not. It, it's actually an invitation to go back to a place where we were not trying to force sleep, you know? Uh, the, the forcing of trying to force sleep became a habit when there was some fear, some struggle, and it's just it's just an invitation to to not do that anymore. So it's an invitation for non-doing. And, and you can see it's so hard to answer this question, but what I hope becomes clear is that, again, there's no action involved. There's just an invitation to let go of some habits that we have developed. Now, uh, now, Brandon asks another aspect to this. He asks, you know, how can I sort of, let's say, let's say Brandon hears what I just said and says, okay, I understand this is an invitation to non-doing, but non-doing is so difficult when my mind body craves sleep. It has been going without sleep and it wants it so badly. And to me, this reminds me of this analogy I sometimes use, which is um, the one of a, a salesperson, a car salesperson, let's say, who who knows that people are likely to buy a car from him when he's not trying to push them to do so. When he's just being helpful and, and guiding that person, they feel you know, at ease, they don't feel pressured, and they'll probably be, say like, yeah, I think I want to buy this car. At, at a place where this car salesperson, if, if he's selling cars right and left, it's actually very easy for him to be unattached and be like, if this person sell, buys the car or not, it's okay, I'm just going to help them and educate them. It's pretty easy at that point. But if the same car salesperson is like, hasn't sold for weeks, right? Hasn't sold anything for weeks and, the, and their mortgage, their, you know, their, their income depends on this very sale that is in, in front of them at this point. They have one customer at the end of the day and if they cannot sell this car, they're going to be in, in, in a really difficult position. It is quite difficult for this person to be unattached, to be like, if I don't sell this car or not, both are fine. It is very difficult for that person to be unattached. But at the same time, the truth is that that unattachment is what helps. So it's the very same position as you described, Brandon. If we haven't slept well for a long, long time and we have some sleep deprivation, we also can like psychologically, we feel like something has been escaping us and we want that really, really so strongly. How can we in that, in that place, from that place also be like, it's okay if sleep doesn't happen. 
I think it is the most helpful here is just to see how difficult it is. When we go, oh, this is supposed to be easy, then we're creating some pressure for ourselves. When we see that this is a tricky situation, it's hard to let go when we're craving something, but that is still what we want to do. We still see the invitation that can really, really help. So, uh, Brian, I hope that um, hope that helps. And Filthy Rich says to uh, to you, Brandon says, why can't I show this? Uh, I recommend his book, This Is Nato, which I think Brandon may have read, but if not, I, I'm I, I'm grateful that you found it helpful, Filthy Rich. And uh, let, let's continue uh, with this question here from Rohit, who says, "Hi, Daniel. Wanted to thank you for everything." I've seen more improvement than I have compared to anything else ever since starting your program. Finally got off met. This is amazing. I'm so glad. So glad to hear this, Roy. And, and thanks so much for sharing it. This uh, really made me so glad in this moment. Super, super nice to hear that. Uh, Aaron says, hello, hello. Uh, and then Aaron continues by saying, sir, I want to completely get rid of insomnia. Completely. I am uh, one, on the final stages of fixing my sleep cycle. Can you advise me some tips? So I should not fall again into insomnia patterns. All right, very nice question. Um, and firstly, it sounds like Aaron that things have gotten easier, and and that's really really nice. And now we can learn from that and also see how we don't fall back into the insomnia pattern. So I want to share this teaching that I think is it's one of my favorite teachings. It's the it's the um, cycle of resistance. Now. When we look at you know how insomnia starts, it typically starts with one night of little sleep, and then the attempt of trying to prevent that first night. Maybe there was something happening in our lives. We got stressed. We didn't sleep much, and then we went like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't sleep," and then we go like, "I, I have to do something to prevent that." But sleep is a passive process. It happens when we're not trying to make it happen, right? So when we then go. I have to prevent myself from not sleeping. Now we're putting effort in. Now we're trying to do something and that the attempt at preventing a second night of not sleeping leads to a second sleepless night. And then we try to prevent the third sleepless night and the attempts at trying to prevent it creates a third sleepless night. And so insomnia really is simply a cycle of resistance. It is like really the entire struggle often comes from the very first time we tried to prevent a sleepless night. And what has this got to do with uh, the question here from Aaron? Well, this plays in when there's the question, do you have some tips so I should not fall again into insomnia patterns? The tricky thing is that when we try to prevent ourselves from falling back into an insomnia pattern, that act of preventing can be the very reason we have it, right? And so just the reminding ourselves that all this struggle started from me trying to prevent a second night of trouble sleeping. That leads us to see that when our brain goes like, okay, I'm doing fine now, but how can I prevent myself from going back to trouble sleeping? And then we can go like, aha, ah, there it is again. That resistance is showing up now. And I know that if I try to prevent myself from having trouble sleeping and then I can have some trouble again. So the odd, uh, the odd, you know, answer here becomes that when we see that we're trying to prevent ourselves from having trouble sleeping and then we can go like, okay, I'm not going to try to prevent anything. And we can see that what took us from having a lot of trouble to having less trouble was actually less 
trying to prevent you know that leads us that led us to the place where things were easier that's also lead, lead that's also what leads us to a place where we have no trouble sleeping whatsoever like Aaron said completely leaving the insomnia a struggle comes from completely uh, abandoning any attempts at preventing insomnia and this is uh, really what I think helps so hope that makes sense to you Aaron um and Brandon goes back said I understand it but it's very hard to actually do no doing when I'm exhausted which it was so true and can sound so paradoxical, right? When we're exhausted in a way, uh, we think it ought to be easier for us to just do nothing because we're so tired, right? But when we think that the exhaustion comes from not sleeping, that it can be almost impossible not to try to do something to, to make ourselves sleep. But again, um, just understanding and self-kindness can help so, so much in this situation, Brandon. Uh, Shreya says, all is great. I'm so happy because I asked earlier, like, I said, like, hope things are going well on your end or something like that. So, all's great. Just one quick question. Do you think restricting water intake after 7 p.m. is also counted under sleep efforts, or that is something natural to do so it doesn't make you go to the washroom often? Very, very nice question. And um, this takes us to sleep disruption versus insomnia, in my humble opinion. So um, there are a multitude of things that can make us have some disrupted sleep. And for example, we drank a lot of, we, or no, let me take this one instead. This has happened to me a couple of times. You eat a huge amount of watermelon because it's hot outside and you love watermelon. You eat a lot of watermelon in the evening. And of course you have to wake up to pee. Your sleep is kind of disrupted, you know, it's a little choppy because you have to pee. But so many other things can cause sleep disruption, like noise, you know, like somebody snoring or your neighbors doing some renovation in their house or pain like you. It's happened to me. I fell and hurt my ribs and I didn't sleep well for weeks that time. These are sleep disruptions. They are obvious reasons why our sleep is a bit choppy. We don't question them. It's like, of course I'm not sleeping because I have to wake up and pee, right? And then we have insomnia, which is an ongoing self-perpetuating struggle that comes from the fear, the fear of not sleeping, right? So going back to the glass of water here, if we simply are wanting to have less of a sleep disruption, uh, then you know it makes sense to not drink a whole lot before we go to bed. Yeah, common sense. On the other hand, if we're trying to limit water intake because we want to be less scared, we want to like we want to be sure that we don't uh, wake up at night. We want to optimize the conditions for sleep we sense that there is an element of fear of not sleeping here that is tricky because whenever we want to get away from fear we try to block out fear or manage fear then uh, that 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 feeling is amplified right so i think it's just taking a very honest look at like why am i wanting to reduce my water intake is it just very straightforward uh it's, you know i don't want to have that sleep disruption or is it like some mystery around that like some some emotions of like i hope this works and things like that nature that can really guide us uh to where we want to be and again when we have clarity when we when we see like ah oh, there was a sleep effort it doesn't mean we have to drink water like it doesn't change anything it's just the clarity is what's what's helpful because when we do things kind of like like a secretly trying to achieve something by not drinking water that's the tricky part hope that made sense for us um Jennifer says, hi, Daniel, I'm doing better, but still struggling. Do you think sleep will ever be back to how it was before? Jennifer, thanks for being here. And firstly, I want to say I'm glad that things are easier. But of course, you know, uh, I would like you and everyone else uh, that, that, that are here to arrive where there's no struggle whatsoever. 
And I want to share something that that's uh, um, that can be really helpful to you. I hope. And and this is my answer to the question of like, you know, do you think sleep can ever go back to the way it was before, or the question of why isn't sleep the way it was before? And the answer to this can sound like I, I, I of course don't want to sound like I'm belittling the difficulties that you're having, Jennifer, but oftentimes it is like this, that we're not sleeping like before because we weren't comparing our sleep to before, before. Before, we weren't, we weren't trying to sleep like before, you know? And, and so what's, what often happens is that when we've had some trouble sleeping, uh, then, you know, we know that that's, that's because of uh, a misunderstanding of the brain, there's fear, and we educate ourselves and things get a bit better. But there's still maybe a little lingering fear, right? So sleep isn't exactly like it was before, right? But then what happens is we go like, hmm, before I used to wake up at seven, now I wake up at six. I'm not sleeping like before. Uh, before I, I used to never wake up during the night. Now I wake up four or five times. I'm, I'm not sleeping like before. And the comparison with before makes us think that something is wrong. And it makes us try to do things to, to sleep better, et cetera, et cetera. And this comparison actually keeps us not sleeping like before. So just seeing this can often be so helpful. And, and it can lead to a place where we're not comparing sleep to before. And then we sleep like before. I hope this can help, Jennifer. And I, I, one thing I just want to emphasize is that, you know, uh, I, I don't think there is um, any human on this planet who needs to struggle with sleep. Of course, we all have some some of those sleep disruptions. You know, we all sleep more or less from day to day, from night to night, from month to month, and depending on circumstances. You know, but the struggle with sleep, the insomnia that can completely leave, and then we can have peaceful sleep. And when I say peaceful sleep, what I mean is really that, you know, somebody can have a, you know, I don't know, toothache, right? And they're not sleeping well, but that doesn't mean they don't have peaceful sleep. Peaceful sleep is when we're not in this emotional battle around sleep. And, and that's what insomnia is. So we can all leave that behind us and have peaceful sleep. Uh, Aaron says to Brandon, it's okay, Brandon. I also suffered very much from insomnia, but trust me, Brandon, it's really okay, brother. That's just a nice, nice words of encouragement there. Me says the following, why do I sleep better during a nap but go to eat every night? Why do I sleep better during a nap? I think uh, that um, that was the question here. Uh, but go to eat every night. Uh, so I'm just going back and forth because I was a little confused. But I think this is the question. Why do I sleep better during a nap? I think as compared to at night. And, and the answer to this one is... Uh, Often it's really, it's one of those times where it can be really clear when we see it. So um, when we have trouble sleeping, it really comes from pressure. And that pressure comes from our thoughts like, oh, I should be sleeping more. I should fall asleep. Is it why I'm not falling asleep? Like we, we create that pressure. And um, in a circumstance where we think now I should really sleep well, there's extra pressure. And that is when we are typically when we are in our own bed and it is nighttime, then we think, now I should be sleeping. This is where when normal people sleep, right? And that creates that pressure that keeps us from sleeping well. On the other hand, when we uh, when it's daytime and a lot of people are up and uh, you know doing stuff and we maybe we lay down on the couch and we close our eyes, guess what? There's little pressure there. 
because we're not in the place where we should sleep. It's not the time when we should sleep. And we're not trying to sleep. Sleep happens easy. So this can explain this, this often like confusing phenomenon where we sleep well in a, I don't know, a park bench, you know, it's a little extreme example, but we, we don't sleep well in our own bed. It's about that pressure. Um, Mies is also, I've been in that cycle of resistance for, for a decade. So sorry to hear that, uh, but I'm glad you're here and learning about it. Education can lead so to so, so nice things. Uh, Aaron says, well explain. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. And that was so nice to hear Aaron and you too, Shreyas. Um, thanks so much for your support. And Jennifer says, I want to share that someone broke into my home with my six-year-old and tried to hurt us. And the suffering has been so tough. Oh my goodness. Wow. No, uh, that, that's, that sounds terrible. I'm so sorry that happened, Jennifer. But um, the fact that things are easier now says a lot about like the inner work you've done after such an experience. And then, um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll conclude there. I typically try to do this about 20 minutes or so. But uh, yeah, Jennifer, hang in there. And, and thanks for thanks for being here and sharing. And, and same to everyone. Thanks, everyone, for being here, for sharing. And um, I'm gonna, really going to try to do this once a week. But at least every two weeks, we're going to have these. And if, you, if, you, if I didn't get to your question, post it in the comment section, and I'll get to it as soon as I can. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for now. Bye-bye.